got a great word for us this morning. Uh, so if you would turn with me to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, we're going to take a look at a passage of scripture here this morning. Uh, ladies, uh, men, actually, if you're sitting next to a lady, can you just look at her for a moment and just, you know, just kind of just, just look over at her. Uh, can I just tell you, we have some incredible women here at Urban Church, and not this Saturday, but last weekend, as ladies, we gathered together for a ladies' brunch um, up over at Julia Vega's house, and, and they were so kind to open it up for us, and we got together and had an incredible time of fellowship and just getting in the word together and sharing uh, each other's life stories, and just it was a great time, and ladies, I want to encourage you. Uh, when we get to January, we're going to have another ladies' event coming up. Make sure you watch uh, the news, check out the website, and stay tuned for more of our women's events that are going to be coming up. So it's a great time to get together, and uh, we give away incredible prizes. Amen. Right, Leanne? We give away some sweet prizes. It's good. All right, are you in John 20? Okay, good. Let's go for it. John 20, verse 24. And just real quick, some background here before we get to verse 24 and start reading that. But Jesus had had died on the cross. He was buried. uh, And they had gone back. Three days have passed. They'd gone back to his tomb to anoint him and and do some things there. And they went back to the tomb, and he wasn't there. So he had risen from the dead. And before we get to this place here in verse 24, uh, he had appeared to some of the disciples um, prior to this. And, and they, he appeared to them, and they saw him, and they were like, wow, Jesus is alive. This is incredible. And so they're moving on, and we get here to verse 24, and this is, this is where we, we pick it up here in verse 24. It says, now Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came that first time. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see his hands and uh, his hands, the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them this time. Jesus came, the doors being shut and stood in the midst of them and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your fingers here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Let's pray together this morning as we go into the word. God, we thank you for your word. And God, we thank you that, God, your heart and your desire for each one of us is to be at a place of believing in you. And Lord, I pray that as your word um, is communicated this morning, that you would help me. And God, as your word is communicated, I pray that each one of us would grab hold of that word and that faith would arise inside of each of us today. And as we leave, Lord, we would leave believing you believing that you can do anything, believing that you can work in our circumstances and our situations. Lord, we love you and we honor you as we go into the word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I've come to realize that everyone has scars. You know what I'm talking about, scars? Everyone has scars in unexpected places. And those scars are really like a, like a road map of... Of, of, of people's lives and people's histories. And 
um, those scars, when people see those scars, that scar really represents a story. And I, I, remember, I remember the first time that my daughters saw a scar that I have on my knee. I have one right here, right on my knee. And uh, they, they, we were sitting around, and I had, I, we, it was a hot summer day, and, and they saw my scar, and they're like, Mommy, Mommy, what happened? What happened? And are you okay? What happened? What is that? And I begin to describe to them, well, girls, you know, when I was little, my best friend and I uh, were hanging out at her house, and she had a big brother, and the big brother was about two years older, and, you know, he liked to be mean to us and tease us and chase us. It probably didn't help that we liked to tease him and be mean to him and chase him, uh, but on this one day, girls, and I'm telling this story, um, we were teasing him. We did something. We, like, barged into his bedroom or something, and we're harassing him, harassing him a little bit. And he came storming out, and we knew because we heard him yelling at us, you know, and we knew that this was not good. We knew that we have to run for our lives because if Todd gets a hold of us, like, this is not going to be pretty. We're going to be, like, tied to the tree. Um, you know, who knows what kind of stuff is going to happen here. And so we took off, and we're running, and we're running as fast as we can. Of course, I'm being very dramatic as I'm telling my daughters this story. And I'm telling them, you know, we're running for our lives, and he's screaming, and he's chasing us, and we're crying because he, he was the babysitter, right? He was the one that was, like, taking care of us, you know, and watching us. And, and so we're running. And, and, you know, I grew up in, in Yelm, which none, none of you probably know where that's at. And it's a small town. And so, you know, her house was out in the woods. And she lived near her grandmother. But her grandmother's house was probably, you know, 200, you know, 300 feet away or something. And so we're running through the woods, down the gravel driveway, and I'm running for my life. And the girls are like, their eyes are like big like this, you know, listening to the story. And, and I tell them, I'm running. And then I hit a rock, and I tripped, and I fell, and I skinned my knee. But we were so scared because Todd was right behind us, and we jumped up, and my friend grabbed me. And she's like, come on. And we ran and ran and ran and ran. And we got to Grandma's house, and we ran, and we found the closet in the the dining room and we close the closet doors and we're hiding in the in the dark of the closet and and Todd we just know is coming like really fast and all of a sudden as I'm whole, sitting there in the closet like the adrenaline stops pumping you know through your body and suddenly you just start to settle down a little bit and as that's happening I begin to feel this excruciating pain in my knee. And I'm telling my girls this story, and they're just like on the edge of their seat, like, what happened? And I begin to tell them that as, as the pain increased, I, I just grab, you know, the, your first reaction is to grab the area that's in pain, right? So I reached down, and my jeans were just shredded and like ripped open. And I, I feel, and it's just oozing. And you know that's not good. It's totally dark, so I can't see it. And it's just oozing. And um, I was just, you know, wet, and I'm like, I didn't fall in a mud puddle, so this is not good. You know, this is blood. We quickly slam the closet doors open, and at that point, Todd's in the house, but he realizes that something bad had happened. And, and we come out, and the grandma, you know, comes near, and we look down at my knee, and there's just this piece of skin just flapping, hanging over, you know. And it was just really ugly. And I'm telling my girls a story, and they're just like, oh, did it hurt, Mom? Did it hurt, Mom? It had to hurt. And I'm like, yes, girls, it hurt so bad. And I'm just describing it to them. They're like, what did you do? And I tell them how, I, you know, we get the hydrogen peroxide out, and we pour it on, and 
that was not fun. And, you know, I began to describe, you know, the process of cleaning it. And then, then they're like, well, what'd you do after that? And I told them we got this big bandage and put this gauze on there and, and sealed it up and put a band-aid over it. And they're like, mom, did it still hurt? And I'm like, yeah, it hurt bad. And did it hurt to walk? Yeah, it hurt bad. And, you know, I was upset about my jeans. Um, but, you know, and, and, and so I'm telling them this story and, uh, and, and really, through that, teaching them, you know, the, the, the benefit of not harassing the older brother when he's the only one home babysitting you, you know, and, and telling them this story. And I say that to say that every scar has a story. It tells a story. Every scar has a story to tell. And I'm one of those weird people that when I see a scar, my first reaction is I want to ask I want to ask how they got the scar. I know, it sounds insensitive, doesn't it? It sounds super insensitive, but it's, like, it's, not, it's not in a rude way or an, an unsensitive motivation or anything like that, but something in me, I love scars. I think that scars are beautiful. And the reason why I do is because I know that that scar represents, a, it shows me a place where healing has taken place. And so when I look at a scar, I want to know the story behind it. I want to know what happened and how did that heal? What was the process that you went to 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 come to a place of healing? But the reality is many of us don't like scars. And so we do our best to wear the the long sleeves to cover those scars up. We, you know, put on the shirt, you know, and the turtleneck, if you will. And we do whatever we can to cover up the scars because because we don't like them, because we, we don't like the, the, the memories, maybe, that come with them. But in this passage that we see today, we see that there's something so significant about scars and something really beautiful about them. And so I want to talk to you this morning about the ministry of scars. I want to talk to you about the ministry of scars. What is that? Well, you're never going to find it coined here in the Bible. You're never going to be able to highlight it in the scriptures. But as I look at my Bible, I see that there's some ministry that took place in this passage in John chapter 20. And in this passage, we see that Jesus Jesus had, had risen from the dead, but there was someone there in that room that didn't believe. And man, Thomas's statement, that was such a bold, outlandish statement, wasn't it? Man, unless I see the holes in his hands, unless I can put my finger in it, unless I will not believe. And what I love about this passage, I love Jesus' response to Thomas. I don't know about you, but it just really makes me feel better. <laughs> because there are times, how many of you find yourself in moments where you just, you're, you're having a difficult time believing? Believing that, that healing can come from a deep cut wound that has taken place in your life have a difficult time believing that God can answer a prayer need that you have, have a difficult time believing maybe something even that you read in Scripture. But I love Jesus. I love his response to Thomas. He doesn't come into the room and just be like, Thomas, you are an idiot. What are you thinking? You lived with me and walked with me for how long? You saw me do all the miracles. You heard me tell you what was going to happen. And you say that you won't believe unless you put your finger in, this, in, the, in the holes in my hand. He doesn't do that, but Jesus just walks up. He appears out of nowhere, you know. The doors are shut and he just appears. Jesus is cool like that. And he just, he just goes like this. Thomas, 
Go ahead, Thomas, come on, right here. And what we see is that ministry of scars taking place there took an individual from a place of unbelieving to a place of believing. The ministry of scars is one that takes someone from a place of unbelieving to a place of believing. Jesus' desire of showing the result that he was, he was looking for by showing Thomas the scars in his hands and, and the, 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 the hole in his side, his desire was to see Thomas go from a place of unbelief to belief. And that is his desire for each and every one of us. God wants us to be at a place of, man, where we, we go from that place of not believing that God can, can work in our marriage or that God can work out a financial situation in our life or that uh, looking at you know, our children, the difficult challenges that they're facing that we're having with them should go from a place of unbelieving to a place of believing that, man, if God can do anything, he can, he can do this for me. He can answer this prayer. He can work in this situation. It's a place, it's a ministry of taking people from unbelieving to believing. I love, I love that, that when we hear someone's story about the scar that they have, I love that, that what it really does is it takes us from that place that we can look at them and go, man, if you were able to endure that, then maybe, maybe I can get through what I'm facing right now. You see, the, the, the problem is a lot of us as believers, we try to hide our scars. So as Christians, you know, we come into the church and it's like, well, we're coming to church and we're Christians, so we got to have everything all together. We've got to have the hair done just right, the, the outfit on perfectly, the kids got to be in order. Um, you know, we, we got to make sure that, you know, the kids are in order, they're dressed, they're clean, they're looking good, they're acting right, they got good attitudes. You know, our marriage has to be perfect. And so when we walk into church, we walk into church and, and we got we to gotta, we gotta put the image on, you know. We cover up the scars, you know, because I'm a Christian, so I got to have it all together, right? I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, so I got I to gotta have it all together. I can't, I can't let people see what I went through to get to where I'm at today. And so we, we put on this image of, you know, I got everything together. And, you know, you hit the parking lot, and it's like, praise the Lord, hallelujah, we love Jesus. You know, where like two miles before the church, it was, what are you doing? Why are you pulling my hair? Stop that. Give me my Bible. You know, who's going to feed the kids? Come on. Come on. What's going on? Hurry up. Hurry up. We got to get to church. Hurry up. We hit the parking lot. It's like, praise the Lord. Jesus is good. Oh, hi, honey. How you doing? Yes, this is my wife. You know, she's a holy woman of God. You know, she raised our children, never has any challenges or difficulties. Our children, this is, you know, you know, we, we introduce our children. They're, they're little angels where 30 minutes before they were little hellions, you know, but, but we come to church and we got to just cover it all up, you know, because we got to be perfect. Because we think, man, if somebody sees a scar, then they're going to th- think that, man, I don't have it all together. We put on this image that really um, hinders what God wants to do in his church. It really does hinder what the Lord wants to do in and through us as individuals. Because what God wants, the Bible says that we were saved by what? We were saved by grace through faith. And man, the church should be a place where people can come in and they see the grace of God displayed through our lives. Because they can come in, they can see the scar that's in your life and they can look at you and go, man, God must have. There would be some serious grace poured out on your life. 
And people need to be able to see that. But instead of being like Jesus, we let people believe that, man, the marriage that you see today, man, yeah, 13 years, baby, it's been good. We haven't fought. It's beautiful. Get along all the time. We let people believe, man, the marriage that you see right now, yeah, that's it, that's it, that's it. We let people believe that, man, the, the financial success that we're experiencing today, man, God has been good. He's provided for us, you know, and, and we fail to explain the, the financial challenges and difficulties and stuff that we've had to work through to get to where we're at today. We come into church, and, and maybe, maybe we, we put on this image of, you know, I, I'm like Brett, and, you know, every morning when I wake up, I just love to worship Jesus. I just love to worship the Lord. And we put on this image that, man, leads people to believe that every single day of my life, I worship the Lord like I worship Him when I come into church. And I've never had a need, you know, and uh, something that I've done in my life that I needed desperately to be forgiven of. We put on this image that, man, I got it all together. And people aren't able to see the ministry of scars. They're not able to see what you've been through to get to where you are today. And so they're unable to see the, the amazing grace that has been poured out in your life. And realize that, man, if you went through that in your marriage, and man, this is where you're at today, man, there's hope for me. There's hope for me. Man, if that's what you went through financially, and you lost job after job after job, but man, you've got that job now, man, then that means that God might be able to do it for me today too. The church is, should be a place where, as believers, we can come together as a community and, and just reveal our scars to one another so that we can encourage one another, man, this is, this is what God is able to do. Man, this is, this is what God did in my marriage. This is what God did in my life. But instead, we sit in our chairs, and we cover them up, and yet the person sitting right next to us needs to hear the story behind your scar so that they too can find the healing that you have found. So that they can find that man, there's hope in Jesus, that man, if Jesus was able to work out that area in your life, man, he might be able to do it for me too. And see the ministry of scars take place so that people can go from a place of unbelieving to believing. I was watching, um, one of the things I enjoy to do is I like to watch the Today Show. Does anybody like the Today Show? I like it. It's okay, you can raise your hand. Jesus doesn't hate the Today Show. I'm not sure how pleased he is with Hoda and Kathy Lee, but um, anyways, that's not my favorite part of it. I like the first part, because I feel like, and the only day I get to watch it is on Monday, because it's our day off. And so Monday, um, I, I enjoy just getting my cup of coffee, sitting down on the couch, turning the TV on, and watching some Today Show. And so one Monday, I turned it on, and I ha it happened to be the day that um, they were promoting Hoda's new book. I don't know if you've heard about it. Hoda wrote a book. Um, and she didn't pay me to do this little plug for her, but I'll do it anyways. So Hoda wrote a book, and I don't know what all is in the book, but she was talking about it, and she began to describe the story in her book. And she began to describe something that took place when she was getting onto a plane. She had been diagnosed with cancer, 
And uh, she was getting on the plane, and, and it hadn't, it, she had been going through, I guess, some chemo or something, and she still had, like, this IV in her arm. And she got on the plane and sat down in her seat, and the man sitting next to her looked over and looked directly at the IV and the thing that was in her arm. And the minute she saw him look at it, she just responded really quickly, reacted, I should say, reacted, and was just like, yes, I'm a woman that has cancer, but cancer doesn't define me. That's not all there is to me. And just this quick, just bam, response that she gave the man. And he just looked at her, and I'm sure he was like, oh, hello, you know, nice to meet you too. Um, You know, and he looked at her, and and he just looked, and his response to her was this. And man, when I heard it, it stuck with me. He said this. He said, you can take your business, and you can shove it deep inside your pocket. You shove it deep inside your pocket. And take it to your grave. Or you can help someone. You can take your business and shove it deep into your pocket and take it to your grave. Or you can choose to help someone. Man, when she heard that, she just, (laughs) she describes it, it just stopped her in her tracks. And they begin to have a conversation the rest of the plane ride. And to this day, they, they still talk and have a relationship. But you and I have that same choice, that we have a choice that we can take our stuff and just shove it deep inside our pocket and walk into church every Sunday, walk into our job place every Monday, every Wednesday, every, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and see the stuff that people are going through and knowing that we've been there too, but not shedding light on the scars that we've, what we have, showing them that, man, you don't have to live with that wound for the rest of your life. You can find healing. We can shove it deep in that pocket and take it to our grave and never share it with another individual. Or we can choose to use the story behind our scars to help someone and to bring healing to them. That's what God wants us to do. Um, When we were pastoring in Vegas, uh, um, I, I had been walking, I guess it was, I was, it was on a Sunday or something. I was walking through the lobby and that day I happened to be wearing a dress and uh, someone uh, was standing with one of the leaders that was in leadership in our ministry, and they saw me walk by, and as I walked by, the individual saw the tattoo that I have on my ankle. And when they saw the tattoo that I have on my ankle, they turned to the leader really quick and goes, Ooh, Pastor Katie, she has a past, doesn't she? She has a past. And the, um, the person that they were talking with just kind of laughed a little bit and just said, actually, matter of fact, yes, yes, she does. And, you know, you should ask her about it someday. And, you know, I, I could go through the rest of my life, you and I could go through the rest of our lives and just cover those things up and never share where we've been, never share what we've gone through. Or we can choose to sit down with those individuals that look at our lives and see Maybe the financial success that you're experiencing right now hasn't always been there. Maybe just because you live in the penthouse doesn't mean that you've always experienced joy and fulfillment and happiness. Maybe there's a story going on there. We have a choice. We have a choice of what we're going to do with the scars that we have in our lives. We have that choice. Um, in your Bibles, 1 Timothy 1, chapter 16, I love this passage. I love this, um, this passage of scripture. It's, it's Paul talking to Timothy. 
And he's sharing with Timothy, encouraging him. He sent him a letter. Timothy is his, his son in the faith, the one that he'd been training up in ministry. And he's talking with Timothy, and he's describing to Timothy. He's talking about, um, he's talking about really, about his, his past. And if you're there in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, he starts off in verse 13. First, he starts off in verse 12, which is a pretty cool passage as well. We'll start there. It says, And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although, I love it. See, Paul wrote three-fourths of the New Testament. He could just stop there, man. He's doing all these great things for the Lord. He's going around. People are being healed, just walking through his shadow. Like crazy stuff is happening. Wonderful ministry taking place. He could stop right there, but Paul never does. Paul never stops there, just thanking the Lord for putting him into the ministry. He says, verse 13, Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant, with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom he says, I am chief. However, for this reason, I obtained mercy that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for each everlasting life. Paul says, he, 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 he's sharing with Timothy, man, sinners, you want to talk about sinners? Man, I was the chief of them. Man, I was, I was doing, doing the wrong stuff. I was persecuting the church. I was persecuting ch- Christians. I was involved in the murder of believers. He's like, man, if you, chief of sinners, that was me right there. But you know what? The mercy of God, the grace of God came on my life, and he chose to use me as a pattern for those that would come to believe on him for everlasting life. God wants to use you and I as a pattern for people that are coming into the church. He wants to use us as a pattern for the people that we live next to, to, for our neighbors. He wants to use us as a pattern for the person that we sit next to at the workplace. He wants to use us in our lives as a pattern so that when they look at us, they can see that, man, if you, really, really, you've been through that and God still loves you? You did that and Jesus accepted you? Really? God wants to use you and I as a pattern for each and every individual to walk through the doors of our church, walk through the doors of our homes, walk through the doors of our businesses, so that when they see us, man, they can see that there is hope for something greater than what they're experiencing right now. He wants to use you and I as a pattern. I love that. I love, I love that, that Paul... Man, all through the book of Acts, several times, he just sits down, and man, he sits with people, and he repeats, man, I was going this way on the road to Damascus, and I was about to go persecute some people, and bam, God showed up, and he tells the story. He, he doesn't shy away. He's, he rolls up the sleeve, and he's like, look, here's what's happening. Here's what was going on. This is what I did, and he begins to tell the story about his conversion about how he came to know who Christ was. And the man, you hear my story, man, I, you, can, you can experience that too. I love that about Paul. 
And I love that, that we hear the story of Paul and we realize that, man, if Paul helping murder people, if Paul, the grace of God and the mercy of God can come on his life, then maybe, just maybe, God can use me. Maybe, just maybe, with all my baggage and all the stuff that I've been through in life, maybe God can use me. And I'll tell you what, I know a lot of us as, as Christians and believers, maybe we come into the church and we've been through some stuff and made some really bad decisions in our lives and we hear people, you know, get up on the platform and talk about how the Bible's called us and commissioned us to go make disciples of all nations, to go and tell people about Jesus and God wants to use you to go tell people about Jesus and you think, me? <laughs> Do you know who I am? <laughs> Do you know who I am? Do you know where I've been? And we think that it's impossible. Like, I can't do that. I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't know enough about Jesus. I don't know the Bible inside and out. How can I be used by God? Well, you can be used by God simply pulling up a sleeve. Simply by allowing people to see the stuff that you've been through. And willingly sitting down and sharing with them what you've gone through and how you've been, been through it. I know, for me, um, I came to know the Lord at the age of 20, and uh, when I came to know Christ, I had done a lot of things in my life prior to that. You think, man, 19 years, how can you really do a whole lot? But I made, had made a lot of really horrible decisions in my life and, and gone down a path that just was just bad. And so when I got saved and I realized who Christ was and I just committed and surrendered in my entire life over to him, and man, God just began to do a work in my life and just bring restoration in many different areas and begin to heal some deep, deep, deep wounds and pain that I had gone through and things that I had experienced. Uh, I remember sharing with some, uh, some, some people and some mentors and some friends of mine in the church, and I remember this statement, and it stuck with me for so long. Somebody looked at me and said, well, Katie, you really, you really should be careful, Katie, you really should be careful not to share all the details of your testimony with people. You know, because you really, you don't want to glorify the devil in what he did in your life. You really don't want to bring glory to him and all the stuff that he did in your life. So you really should be careful on all, you know, not sharing everything. And I heard that and, you know, I was just like, oh, okay, okay, yeah, you know, yeah. I started, you know your mind starts to rewind, you know, and you're playing back, you know, the stuff, <laughs> those things that you've done, and I'm playing it back, and it's like, you know, the projectors, like, ooh, yeah, that one right there, you know, that, let's erase that one, that one, I won't share that one, you know, oh, okay, maybe not that one, you know, and, and so for years, I went on, and, and I would share my testimony with people, but what they didn't realize is I wasn't sharing my full testimony with them. I wasn't sharing the complete story of what I had been through with them. I was sharing little pieces, little nuggets. And, and to them, they, you know, I didn't hold back on the parts that I did share. So it seemed like, whoa, you know, it's like, wow, you know, God is good to you. You know, um, Jesus has been good, Katie. Uh, that's crazy. And so, but what they didn't know is there was, oh, so much more. And so several years ago, the Lord just caused me to, to as I would come into church and, and ministering with young people and ministering to families, and, and it would be woman after woman, God began to show me this girl that had this abortion, and then this girl over here who was the next day going to go and 
get an abortion. And then over here, the woman who had had the abortion and her, her marriage is just destroyed because she didn't feel like she was worthy to, to have a good marriage. And she didn't feel as though she deserved to have the, the happy family. And then I saw this woman over here who had, who had gone through this abortion. And, and, and one after another after another. And with each one, God showed me, God said, it's time. Katie, it's time. And I would see this one, and then I would see that one, and I would, I would look at that one, and knowing deep down inside that I've shared my testimony, and people have come to realize the grace that God shed on me, and that, man, they can experience that too, but I had left a, a major part of my testimony out, and God kept saying with each one that I came across, Katie, it's time. And But in the back of my mind, I kept hearing, but you know what? You shouldn't tell the whole part of your testimony, because if you do, then you're going to glorify the devil. Can I just say that that's a whole load of, okay? It's just a load, man, of stuff. How on earth can we glorify the devil by sharing how God brought us through what we've been through? How does that glorify the devil? How does that bring glory to the things that he's done in our lives? It does it. It brings glory to God because people can look and go, man, you had an abortion, Katie, when you were 19 years old and, and you went down a path of destruction and, and, and you tried to commit suicide because you didn't think you were good enough. You did that, man. If, if you went through that, then man, this in my life isn't just it's not so bad if God can do that how does that bring glory to the devil can somebody please tell me no it doesn't but too many of us walk in and we cover up the scars and we don't let anybody see it because we're Christians right we got to have it all together and we got to look good on Sunday and we got to come in and we got to worship Jesus the right way you know what that is you know what what, what Jesus calls that he calls that a Pharisee. That's what he calls it. Does anybody know what a Pharisee is? Yeah. Okay, it, you can just turn there a whole nother time. But Matthew 23, just read the whole chapter and see what Jesus has to say about Pharisees. He talks about these people in seven different times. He says, oh, Pharisees, you hypocrites. You hypocrites. Why? Because boil it all down, they're putting on a mask. And they're putting demands on other people that they themselves weren't living up to. Man, when we walk in and we cover up and we pretend that we got it all together, we're, we're, we're trying to trick, we think we're fooling God, number one. We're not fooling God. God is omniscient. God is omniscient, which means he is all-knowing. He knows your stuff. He knows every single bit of it. The Bible says he knows every single hair that's on your head. And we come in and we put on the outfits and we, we put on our praise and we think we're going to trick God that we had the most glorious week ever. And God's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> you, had a, you were angry and you like thought about killing your boss. You did not have a good week this week. You know, God's like, uh-huh, sure. Praise me all you want, but I know what you did last summer, you know. Um, you know I don't know where that came from. <laughs> oh, God wants you and I as, as Christians, as believers, to take hold of this thought of the ministry of scars. To be like Jesus, because his number one desire is to see every single person that we encounter in our lives to go from unbelieving to believing. And one of the greatest ways 
that people go from that place of unbelieving, from that place of not really sure if there really is a God, from that place of not sure if God really cares about their marriage, from that place of not sure if God can really come through and help them in their finances, from that place of uh, just not believing that, man, God can, can work out this relational challenge that I'm having in my life. The greatest way that they can go from that place of unbelieving to believing is if we will be like Jesus and walk into the room and go, Sally, come here, come here, come here, come here. I know, I know what you're going through in your marriage. Let me just show you this. Let me just tell you what happened and what can happen. You know, no, no, no. Fred, you know what, come here, come here, come here. I gotta, I gotta tell you this. I know what you're going through. And let me just show you, let me just show you something. Let me tell you something. The greatest way, because people cannot argue with your story, especially when they look and they see the scar. This man is an evidence, that scar is evidence of where healing has taken place. That as we begin to open up and share with people what we've been through, and more importantly, how Jesus brought us through, and how by the grace of God and the mercy of God, he poured out his forgiveness on us. And his mercy and that same mercy, that same grace and that same forgiveness that I received for taking the life of my unborn child is the same mercy, the same grace, and the same forgiveness that you can receive. That you can receive. But the reality of it is that a lot of us are walking around and we don't actually have scars, but we have wounds. What I've come to realize is that there are too many even sitting in the churches today that are suffering silently. With each woman that God began to show me, and it was like I was a magnet. <laughs> it was like God made me a magnet. Every woman that was struggling with that decision that they had made to abort their unborn child, it was like I was a magnet just blaring. Like God put this, you know, neon sign over me like, come to her. And I was this magnet and they were all coming and asking for prayer from me. And, but the reality of it is, as I would see those women, God began to speak to me, Katie, they're suffering silently. They're sitting in their churches and they're suffering silently because they feel like they're all alone. They feel like they're all alone in what they're going through. They feel like they're the only one that's experiencing the challenges that they're experiencing from week to week. There are people suffering silently. And so the reality is I know that today there are some of us here that, yeah, you know what, there are quite a few of us that we've got some scars. We've got some old wounds that have healed. And man, it's left a scar. And we may have looked at it in the past and thought, man, that's ugly. Man, I better cover that up. But I, I think today that many of us are going to walk up and we're going to roll up our sleeves and just be like, you know what, that's beautiful. That is absolutely gorgeous. You know why? Because it tells a story of the healing and the mercy of God. But I realize that there are many of us sitting in our churches and maybe even sitting here today that you can be listening to a message like this and say, you know what, Katie, that's great. You know, great idea, ministry scars, letting people know, you know, where I've been, what I've been through, great idea. But you know what? You're still carrying around a wound. 
And too many of us are walking around and rather than having a, a scar, we've got a wound. And that, that, that cut may have happened five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 25 years ago. But we're still, still carrying around a wound that's open and it's, it's festering and it's painful and it's excruciating. And we're walking around thinking that this is the way that we're gonna have to live the rest of our lives. But I'm here to tell you today that you don't have to live like that. That God is so good that all he's asking you to do is to stretch out your hand. There's a beautiful story in Matthew 12 of a man with a withered hand. I love this story. Jesus was in the church and, and he's in there and there was a man who had a withered hand. I don't know what it looked like. But in the church, he's there and Jesus comes up to the man and he says this. He says, stretch out your hand. I imagine he was probably covering it, hiding it, you know, kind of shaking hands with the other hand. But Jesus looks at him and says, just stretch out that hand. In the moment he stretched out that hand to Jesus, the Bible says it was healed just as the other. So this morning, I don't know what kind of wound you are still carrying with you today. But I'm here to tell you that all you have to do is stretch out your hand to Jesus. All he's asking you to do is stretch out your marriage to him. All he's asking you to do, stop hiding it, stop covering it, stop trying to put on a mask of I've got it all together when I come to church. He's asking you to stretch it out, to put it out there, to admit that you need him, to admit that you don't have it all together, to admit that man, I've got this thing and I am desperately hurting. And if you just stretch it out to him this morning, I guarantee you, you'll find healing you'll find his mercy, you'll find his grace to help you in that time of need. Um, can we just stand together as we conclude this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just close our eyes and thank you, Lord. God, I thank you that you are so good to us. Lord, I thank you for your grace, Lord, that you've shown to each one of us here this morning. God, I thank you so much for this passage about Thomas, God, that, that you look at our lives and you don't look at the areas where we're unbelieving. You don't look at the areas where we're doubting and rebuke us and look at us and, and say, man, you're silly. What's wrong with you? But God, I thank you this morning that you look out at, at each one of us today. And you already see, God, you already know the areas where we're struggling with unbelief, the areas where we may be struggling with doubt. And God, I thank you that this morning you come with a message of, of your amazing grace that can come upon our lives and bring healing and bring restoration. God, I thank you that you come to us this morning with a uh, a call to live as you have lived, with a call to live as a pattern for others to follow after. God, I pray that you would help us this morning. God, that you would minister to each one of us this morning. 